Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is Big Idea, Big Moves. And this is the destination podcast for high performers. We talk to people from different areas of expertise, different niches, different things where high performers or people wanting to get on that path can tap into the information from these fantastic guests, get some real tips to move themselves forward as well. So we uh, talk to the best people out there and uh, and bring those bits of information into uh, uh, to our listeners. And, and so um, to start things off today, we just wanted to really say thank you to all of the listeners and viewers of the podcast so far. Um, we have had had some real cool success in the last little while. Um, it's nice when we see that um, we are hitting the top charts uh, for um, self-improvement podcasts and we're, we're hitting them in Canada, US, Australia, France, India, just in the last few weeks, New Zealand, and we were in the top 20 in Hong Kong last week, which is uh, really cool for us to see that that message is going out. So when you put down ratings and reviews, we are going to start reading them again in the next couple of uh, uh, podcasts as well. But when you do those, it also opens it up to more people and uh, we like sharing that message as much as we possibly can so so thank you um, two uh, quick notes uh, off the top is that um, a couple of our uh, our supporters jazz HR we've talked about them a few times but um, becoming really really important for organizations to look at when they have to go back out and maybe some of the jobs that you're going to be hiring for are different now or maybe you're looking for temporary hires to be able to fill some of those gaps in the next little while um, they have a platform that uh, is an applicant tracking system. It helps you um, send things out through the different um, uh, job platforms, but it also helps you manage the system internally, whether you're a small organization, mid-sized organization. Um, also has the ability to do video interviewing, important when you're doing remote stuff over the next little while as well. So um, so all of those different things and, and scheduling online, that's a big headache for a lot of managers when they're in this really quick kind of uh, um, standpoint right now. So, um, so take a look at that. Just go to www bigideabigmoves.com and you'll see the information for Jazz HR. Just take the link and, and take a look at it. It may make sense for you. Um, the other thing as well is that um, on the other side of the bench is that you've got a lot of people who are in the job market right now. And um, Epitome HR is, uh, is doing... Um, some career coaching packages that will allow you to go on. They uh, help you look through your LinkedIn profile. They will help you update your resume and make sure that it fits for um, the new applicant tracking systems and some of those things as well. Um, and just help you kind of get things ready where you're in a job market that is going to be very different over the next little while, very competitive, make sure you get the leg up. And, and so again, that is on www.bigideabigmoves.com. And, uh, and hopefully we can uh, make sure that, uh, that we help everybody out there as well. Um, so we have an awesome guest today, and I, I think probably one of the most, uh, you know, uh, immediate kind of issues, and uh, and I think we'll um, add some real value very quickly for our audience. So Sage L. Patel is the founder and CEO of Sage L, and it's a, a financial consulting and education platform, and they have a mission to help um, women specifically, but you'll find that she has expertise across the board that will help us today too, um, but it's helping women create financial independence and security, so definitely something to take a look um, at there as well. She also helps organizations look at financial wellness, which we'll talk about today, and also um, inclusion 
programs and how that fits in as well through a, a diversity kind of lens as well. She uh, has over 20 years experience in uh, the finance industry in North America and Asia. She's a, C a CFA. Um, she's a former business anchor, so you may recognize her as well, um, and correspondent for Business News Network and CNBC Asia. Um, she's been named one of the most influential South Asian women executives in the media and entertainment industry. Very cool there. Um, and she also, for a, a chunk of time, led Manulife's PR and brand building um, in, uh, in Asia as well. So um, a real varied experience, but um, I think a really important topic. So, so thank you uh, for joining us today. That's, uh, it's a real pleasure for us. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Oh, no problem. Um, I, I guess, you know, we talked about you have a real varied career um, and you were in kind of that kind of corporate mode for a while and everything as well. You're, you've jumped into being a, an entrepreneur and, and service provision from that end. Why the jump um, from your end? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I was really passionate about over the last 20 years is, is helping people make sense of their finances. Um, I love the financial industry and sometimes yeah. I know it gets a bad rap, but I actually think it's, it's, um, they're there. We wouldn't have economic stability if it wasn't for the financial industry and they help millions and, and millions of people. Yeah. Um, but I felt like there was a gap and the gap was that, the average person you know out there unless you were actually taught personal finance either at home um, or at school which is actually very rare and you studied it you didn't actually have real skills yeah. to manage your money and ensure your financial security and i didn't feel that the financial industry was frankly doing a, a good enough job and yeah. part of it is that they inherently sometimes have this conflict because they are there to sell products and advice. Um, and also it's, it's an inside out lens. So when you're in it, in the system for a long time, you forget what the end customer is really looking for. Um, and it's not often just product based, right? Yeah. There is a lot more dynamics. There's a lot more behavioral things that are going on that prevents people from actually engaging in the industry. Yeah. And so I recognize that if I'm in it, if, I'm, if I stay in the industry and try to do what I do, there's automatically gonna be a bias or a perceived bias. Sure. And I won't be able to make the impact. So if I step away from it, then I can actually help educate and actually bridge the gap. So it's, it's why I actually work with a lot of financial services companies because they see me as the bridge. I said, I'm going to empower either your customers or your employees. Yeah. And guess what? When they feel empowered, financially empowered, they will do business with you. That's yeah. how it works. It's I almost don't sell a, products. It, it's almost a different products. level of trust. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different level of trust that you're able to build because of that separation, it, I would think. It is. And you know what it is? It's also that it's not just some people don't trust the financial industry. Um, which is a shame in, in to some level, but a lot of it is actually, Jamie, they don't trust themselves. They don't have the education and the skills to understand what it is they should be looking for. Yeah. Right. So then what ends up happening is they just stay away from the industry or they try to do it yourself. They go the do it yourself route. Well, you can make mistakes doing that. And I'm not saying that's not an option. Yeah. I just think you have to be able to educate people enough so they understand 
what does it take to reach financial wellness and security and thrive? And then I can understand which pieces I need to do to engage with the industry. Engaging with the industry is not an option. You actually have to, to be financially well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and, and I, I find it interesting. You talk about that kind of outside in approach um, and, and uh, you know, how some people are so intimidated by the industry that they, you know, they, they either choose not to interact. But I, I also think it's important that a lot of people also default and just kind of give away that control as well. And, and you know, how do you, how do you help with that when when I think people either will just won't do it or they'll say somebody manages it for me. And I, I just won't look at it and it's easier to avoid it. Yeah. yeah. And that's all part of the education. That's, yeah. you know, exactly my message. One is a, you have to engage with the industry if you want to be financially well yeah. and I'll teach you how to engage with them. What are the questions you need to ask to make sure you're getting your needs met? Because I have seen those incidents where, you know, they, um, they engage or they give up complete control, but then when something goes wrong, they're very quick to blame. And I said, right. well, hold on, you, you actually have to be a partner here to yeah. your advisor, um, to whoever it is you're dealing with, um, because I have been on that, on that side, right? And so that's important. And I know that being independent away from the financial services industry, those are things I can say. It doesn't, it doesn't bode well when the industry <laughs> says, right. you don't blame us, but I can. <laughs> And that brings the two together because the end goal is I want people to be financially well. You know, right. I want our society and our economy to be well. But to me, that starts with the individual and all of us play a role in that. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit, because I, th I think right now, more than other times, people may feel a little more out of control and may feel like um, they like their financial situation may be very different now than it was six months ago. So, um, you know, whether you're you're somebody who had a lot or somebody who was just starting out, it can be very intimidating. So uh, how do you approach that? What would you think, you know, somebody approaching that first step around, you know, revisiting things right now, what, what would you think would be important? Yeah. So I, well, first I would say, um, you know, having financial control and having the skills was always important. Um, and then of course, something like COVID comes along and we have so much economic uncertainty that right now it is becoming increasingly important. And it's the reason why I'm getting so many calls and so many yeah. emails today. Um, we already had a lot of things, external factors that were working against us. You know, a, ever since 2008, ever since the great financial crisis, really, um, we have been living in more economic uncertainty. We're a lot more globalized, which means that something that happens in another country, especially one of the big economies, affects us in Canada. We're no longer insulated from that. We've been in prolonged low interest rates, and the impact of that has been debt. We're addicted to debt, and not yeah. just households, governments. And this has affected all of us as well, right? So there's a lot of things that are going. We're living longer, which means we have to save much longer. It wasn't like before when you retired at um, 65, you might have about 15 years to live and that's all you needed to save for. You have to save now for 25, 30 years, yeah. which is why pension plan providers are, you know, they're not sure what to do anymore. They've, yeah. um, they've moved from 
on contribution plan because they can no longer meet these obligations. So all these things have been going on and now you've just upped the game. Right. You know, we have more debt. Right, right. <laughs> and we have more economic uncertainty. So the first thing I would say to anyone, if you're in this situation right now where you're just not sure what to do, this is the advice I've been giving people in the last few months is that one, do a check of what you have. The first thing you want to do is to make, you know, understand where your revenue is coming from. Um, do a check on that. How much money is coming in be conservative with that number. And that may mean, you know, checking your employment contract or anything else. It may be looking at your government subsidies. So that's the first thing you need to do. The second thing is build up your emergency funds. If you can, hopefully you've done it before all this happens, because that's when it was a little bit easier. And I know it's not easy, but that's the thing you want to do, because we're still, we still don't know what's happening in the next six months to eight months. We've already heard from the Bank of Canada governor and the U.S. Fed saying it's very uncertain. We don't know what yeah. the recovery is going to look like. So that's what I would say. S save up your emergency funds. And that may mean you cutting out a lot of expenses. Right. Now we're already seeing some of the positive light to this is that people are saving. Yeah. If, if their income is still coming in, they're saving money because they're not going out and, and right. they're not eating out and they're not shopping and things like that. So my sense is because they're seeing this, some of those behaviors are going to stick and um, they're not going to now go out and spend a lot of money because I'm, I'm hearing that they're like, wow, I didn't think it was that easy to save. Like, when yeah. you're forced <laughs> when, you, when you don't yeah you, you don't have the option of going to the restaurant every night then the reality is it it uh, starts to accrue right <laughs> yeah. um and that's where i would say you know cut your expenses and take a look at that the other thing is if you have a portfolio and you're not sure and if you have an advisor if you haven't done this already i'm, I'm assuming a lot of people have make that appointment with your advisor and just go through um, your portfolio and whether it's safe. But the thing you want to ask any advisor as well is go through this, the uncertain scenario, you know, what if we see a collapse in the market again, right. we're up right now. I'm not sure how long that's going to stay, but um, you know, what if, does it mean that I can still meet my goals and do right. we need to, we need to rebalance. We need to do these things. So that's, that's an important thing to look at is just look at your portfolio. It's really easy to get caught up in the, um, in the hype. Right. And greed. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, that's just human nature. Yeah. You see something up and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to sell. And then things fall. It's really important right. to just have that balanced portfolio that makes sense for your goals. If you're drawing income from your portfolio, you want that stuff in safe, that, mm -hmm. that portion in something fairly safe yep. and liquid. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, I think, are, again, the same thing, are, are intimidated of, of the investment part of, uh, mm -hmm. of their portfolio. Um, and probably, I would assume that they're becoming, they might even be more so now because they do see the volatility. And, um, um, you know, for somebody who maybe is, uh, um, uh, isn't as, you know, a fine-tuned investor and is really just looking at, you know, the first thing would be kind of asking those questions. Are there, are there things that you would, you would recommend, you know, uh, 
to, to really for that individual to make sure that they educate themselves on before they have that discussion to make sure that um, their advisor has their best interest in, in mind as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and usually, I mean, any good advisor that's qualified is going to, to go run through um, a person's experience and risk tolerance and yeah. um, so forth, life goals yeah. to, to know what they should be putting that person's money in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, almost all advisors I know would, would create a diversified portfolio. Yeah. And the reason that's so important, Jamie, is that um, we can't predict the markets. Not, your advisor can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> no one yeah. can. Uh, that, that's important for people to know that they may understand the market, uh, you know, have a different level of understanding, but that's really the, you can't yeah. control it. So there's a lot of factors at play. And again, because we're so integrated and globalized and there's still a lot of political uncertainty, we don't know which way it's going to go. If you actually look at what the markets are doing, it, it makes no sense yeah. really. <laughs> Um, given the economy, but we've seen a flood of liquidity. So it makes, in that sense, I understand what's going on, but that's not the important part. The, part. the important part is really to be diversified, you know, and if you're really um, new at the game, dip your toes in, you know, you can buy things like mutual funds, um, which is easier because it's professionally managed ETFs, exchange traded funds are great as well because they mimic the markets and they're also diversified. The one downside with that is you have to manage it. You know, it's like buying stocks. So you have to decide when you buy it and when you sell it. And hopefully you don't sell it. Hopefully you're keeping it long term. But if you think your behavior is going to go get in the way, that might not be the best option for you, even though it's cheaper, the fees, right. you know. Right. Um, fees is an important conversation, but I always say you still have to understand your own behaviors um, and the things that could affect that. Because if you are doing things to save money and then you make costly mistakes. Right. It's that holistic view of it. It's, it's that it's, you can't have one without kind of a, a broader viewpoint of it as well. And, and actually that brings me to, so just before we talked, I, I did see um, something recently. Um, there was a, a survey that they had started asking questions about kind of um, um, people's personal impacts as they at work, um, and and they gave examples of and whether these are exact, I, I don't know. But um, you know, they they said that people right now, if you have financial concerns, um, that you're 11 times more likely to have disturbed sleep. You're 10 times more likely to not be able to finish daily tasks, at, whether it's work or otherwise, and uh, nine times more likely to have troubled coworker relationships. And, and so, um, and they, they said probably, it, and it will even translate more, is that people are losing, um, or organizations are losing about a day and a half on sick pay or sick leave for individuals directly related to financial stress. And so uh, I, I've I think that's important to kind of take a look at that there's a personal side of it, but for organizations, this may be a bit of a wake up call about, um, you know, these things will be more acute and how do you support people through that process? Is, is that something you're seeing? And, and uh, you know, do you think that that will increase over the next little while? I, I certainly hope it does um, because we are, we do see organizations certainly care about their employees and look at employee engagement. Um, a lot of companies have wellness programs, 
except that the financial piece is almost always left out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and part of it is because, again, it goes back to um, when you have 90% of the population that really doesn't understand the, the, the personal finance skills, it's easy for companies and people inside the companies to say, you know what, I don't really get this. I'm just going to, we're not going to deal with it. Yeah. The other thing is um, there's a, a, a thinking that, oh, it's, it's money. It's, right. it's <laughs> all of a topic um, to discuss. And my message to companies is everything is personal. Yeah. You know, if, if they're having stress at home and mental stress and it's affecting your work, it's personal and money is important to everyone. Yeah. Um, unfortunately what's happening is because there's a lot of silence around money and discussing money. And there's a lot of shame and stigma for people who are in financial trouble or don't understand it. It's not discussed. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to have an employee go to their manager and saying, Hey, I have debt problems. You're never going to hear that. They rather say, you know what, I'm not sleeping well, or you know, I really should get some exercise. They're not going to talk about money, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's very prevalent. Um, So I think companies need to take care of this piece. You can't. No amount of yoga or meditation is going to help your employees get out of debt. And it is that connection that the the same stigma that there was for a long period of time around mental health in the workplace or the impact in mental health in the workplace. It's very Mm -hmm. similar. People didn't want to talk about it and pretend that it wasn't happening, but they've seen the impacts on, on workers and on businesses. And this is almost the connection of the two, because if you don't have those financial skills, it also really affects the mental health side of things. So it's, it's almost that last kind of chunk of um, transparency is important and understanding, you know, how uh, um, having those skills also helps the broader kind of wellness initiative for an organization. That's right. And, and organizations benefit from this. This is Absolutely. a real thing for corporations because you just listed some of those statistics. Now, I have even some conservative ones, but yeah, yeah. Alone, one person who is financially unwell and if it affects their productivity, it can cost a company thousands of dollars sure. um, of lost productivity. And that's just productivity. That's not the increased medication. That's not, um, that's not including turnover because right. somebody thinks that, well, I'm going to go to this company who pays me $5,000 more and not understanding that sometimes it's not a salary issue. It's, it's an expense issue right. um, or they don't understand the other benefits that a company provides for them and the values of that. It doesn't include delayed retirement. That's a huge cost for companies because now we're seeing 50, 50 plus people, um, a majority, a lot of them actually don't have a, a retirement strategy. Yeah. So they're getting to that age and they're saying, I don't have enough money. I'm going to have to continue working. Well, yeah. that becomes, that becomes an issue for corporations. So there's a lot of win-wins. So I, I guess the other side of that would be, I know that you talk to organizations around, you know, whether it's, there's a different cultures kind of look at things differently from that. And maybe there's other ways of designing those programs so they're more inclusive. Can you give yeah. examples of, of kind of how, how you've helped organizations tackle that or what should they be looking at that maybe also make sure that they're not just providing one service that they think works, but that they need to make sure that it's, it's targeted across a more inclusive lens? Well, absolutely. Uh, it goes back to my point of money is personal. Yeah. 
know, each and every one of us has a money personality. Um, and what I always say is the way we use money is just a manifestation of our beliefs and our values. So there is this big literacy piece, but 80% of what we do and why we do what we do and what we don't do is behavioral. And it's been ingrained in us since we were seven or eight years old. Uh, family dynamics, culture, gender, you know, these all play a role. And the reason why I, you, you alluded to, you know, me focusing on women yeah. specifically is because when I was looking at all the stats when I was building my business and I thought wow you know there's a huge financial security gap that globally people are yeah. facing but when I dug deeper and I looked at women I yeah. was shocked shocked I mean they are 80% more vulnerable than men in wow. living in poverty and retirement part of it is the wage gap but part of it is career breaks part of it is a living longer um, and when it comes to just financial education and confidence, they typically like men. Yeah. So there are all these factors that play, uh, play a role in that. And so corporations need to consider some of these, these factors and, and that understanding that women's lens as well as their challenges are actually unique. When it comes to culture, it's a very interesting one because you can't really pinpoint and group a culture and saying, well, they're going to be typically yeah. okay. Again, it goes back to family values. Yeah. You know, um, I grew up in, in an East Indian family, you know, Asian, yeah. and we are like, my parents are so debt averse. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in my yeah. mind, I'm like, no, I can't take on debt unless yeah. it's good debt like it's to build a business or buy a home, you don't take on debt. And so when I lived in Singapore and Hong Kong, you know, I was 11 years in Asia, that was very common. Like Asians really did not like debt. They're very debt averse. And that's coming down from parents. This next generation, it is changing. They're getting more addicted to credit card debt to buy yeah. a lifestyle. Yeah. So you just have to, you have to look at these. And the only way I would say you, you tackle that is have the conversation. Create a safe space in your work environment or wherever it is, just to open up that dialogue and understand um, yeah. what that is. You know, just culturally, different races, all of that, it, play, it does play a role. And yeah. let them tell you. Yeah. Well, and that's why that having a more holistic way of looking at it is so important because it isn't just about the numbers. It's about, you know, understanding where, where, where your behaviors come from around money and around other things and, and having a much more kind of connected conversation. And, and that's why sometimes having a, a party like yourself do that is, is probably even um, uh, a little easier at the start where there's that yeah. kind of open trust with somebody who doesn't feel as connected. Yeah, that's right. As an independent person, I've, I've run this for some organizations. I did it yeah. for a, a very large global bank yeah. um, where I was, you know, I was facilitating this and um, anonymous surveys and stuff. And then I, I could take a look at it and yeah. say, now you understand some of the issues yeah. that are going on. And so you have to, you have to respect it's that safe space, right? Yeah. Because it's not an easy topic for people. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, so uh, you know, obviously, that's that's um, become a, a pretty big market for you, and and you've um, you've recently got lots of accolades and and things like that for for kind of your influence and what you've done in your career. You know, is there a a piece of advice or somebody that you've really looked up to 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 get to where you are today? I think that's important to some of the high performers listening. You know, is how how do you look at that? Is, is there somebody that that you've really kind of looked to as a as a model? Oh, I look at many, many people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very fortunate that I've had um, a lot of mentors and um, even coaches. So I, I'm a big believer in having a coach, especially as I was thinking about the entrepreneurship journey. And then while yeah. I was one, it can get very lonely. Yeah. Um, and I knew that what I was doing and trying to do with my business model was not conventional. It was It was a very different way of thinking than... You know, some people will try to sort of pin me in a corner and say, well, you're a personal finance expert. And I, and I correct them. I said, no, I'm a, I'm a financial wellness advocate. I'm, I'm advocating for systemic changes that need to happen because no amount of information is making a difference. We're actually going backwards, which tells me that there is a bigger problem. And so having coaches and having mentors just to bounce even ideas off and strategies off and be supportive is, is incredibly important, right? But ever since the beginning, I mean, when I started in the financial industry and, and I was in Winnipeg, I had, I had a great team to work with. Yeah. Always, always supportive, you know? Yeah. So I, I consider myself very fortunate that along the way, I've had some really, really great models, role models to help me and right. open doors. And I think that's really important. Well, and so somebody who's listening to you today, um, I think, you know, they, they probably feel that that's, it's pretty relatable to them. And, and I'm sure I've taken away some great stuff. But if, um, if someone's sitting there thinking, yeah, this is me, and I need to, I need to do something today. And there's probably a lot of people that are in that situation. If there were two or three things they could do literally today, or, or kind of right after they listen to this, what, what would you say they should, they should kind of take action on right away? Yeah. So first of all, I would say awareness, you know, um, being financially well and secure starts with the behaviors and understanding where they come, come from. So just spend a little time asking yourself, like, what is it that, why do I do what I do? And, and why don't I do what I do? Um, and, and maybe just understand that, you know, there are a lot of biases and systems, uh, external factors that affect us because that actually gets people motivated to say, okay, well, you know, there are these things. And my message to anyone is you have a lot of things in your control. And that is the next step is getting financially educated, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to know everything. There's sometimes this, this thinking that, well, I have to have a PhD in finance to understand this stuff. No, you, you really don't. There are people that you can partner with, like advisors and, and lawyers to get your wills done. It's just understanding um, what it is you want to achieve and understanding some basic things of how to invest, how to build your wealth. Financial planning, all it is, is a strategy to make your money work more efficiently for you so you can achieve the things you want to do. Really, that's all it is, right? Yeah. So if you look at it that way, say, okay, I have this money. How do I work with it? Either cut expenses, grow income, 
tax saving, saving strategies? Where do I put what to make sure that I can do the things that I want to do, not just to survive, but to actually thrive? Yeah. Um, so those are really the two things. It's awareness, it's education. And with that education, you will build confidence. You know, yeah. you don't have to spend a lot of time. We spend more time exercising and, and walking, but I can tell you, you spend 10, even 20 hours on this and you, you got a good baseline that you're yeah. working with for years to come. That's yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fantastic advice. And, and I really think uh, um, everybody has taken so much away. I know they can take you know, more away by, by kind of looking at your stuff, hearing some of you have some great stuff online too, to, to even just delve into some of these as well. Um, what's the best way for um, people to look into your organization and, and other things as well? Sure. Um, so my website is sagel.com. So uh, www.saij. It's kind of a play on my name. So <laughs> yeah. A-J- elle.com um, and that's primarily geared towards women and then if you go to the sage wealth consulting side i actually have launched recently a, a digital online education platform awesome. for corporations so they can help their employees and then if women are interested although i'm having men sign up too i just launched this week my strictly money series and what it is is it's 14 courses it takes you from beginning to end everything you want to know about financial planning, um, introductory offer right now. So I'm having a lot of women sign up, but I'm seeing some men sign up as well, which is totally fine. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So that's where you can reach me. And I'm on LinkedIn, of course, as well as, um, some of the usual social media channels yeah. like, like Facebook as well. Well, as. we'll make sure we connect those in uh, <laughs> off the, the website as well and, and uh, make sure that people can get there as quickly as possible because I, I think your, uh, your stuff is, is going to be um, really important over the next little while. So, um, so thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, anybody else out there who, um, when you're listening, whatever podcast platform you're listening to or watching this on, make sure you hit subscribe because uh, we have um, great guests like this every every week and hitting on different kind of items, different things that uh, are really important, especially at the times that we're going through. So, uh, so do that and, uh, and leave us your reviews and ratings and we really appreciate it. Uh, otherwise we'll, um, we'll talk to you again uh, next time on big idea, big moves.